Hello, and welcome to Shared Space, a podcast about the power of architecture and design to make us healthier, happier, and more connected. I'm your host, Erin Peavy, and I'm so glad that you're here with us. So obviously your book is very inspiring to me because I I have tons of questions around it. Um, But one of the things that that you talk about is, and I've I've heard you in some of your lectures as well talk about, is the difference between sort of what people think will make them happy and what they want versus what is actually making them happy in different, you know, physical spaces. Um, For instance, you know, you give the example of a formal living quarters when buying a home. Um, and I had a lot of people asking about their homes, like what they can do to design for connection, probably because we're spending a lot more time in our homes and I think really realizing maybe, um, re, re, um, discovering how important our family is. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about this phenomenon and what you hope that people better see. Sure. Yeah. I think that, you know, just, just to flesh out the research that we did, um, a little bit. This was actually the first research project that I did with my early collaborator, Thomas Seabom. Um, mm-hmm. We were very interested in in residential architecture. And in a way, we were interested in exactly the, the kind of thing that you're you're asking about. We we were interested in the role of of culture in residential design and mm-hmm. how, uh, for example, uh, traditional uh, Muslim architecture, domestic architecture looks quite different to, um, I don't know, if, I suppose that there is a kind of a, a Western traditional architecture, um, but just, you know, the, 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 yeah. the generic kind of North American, um, if I can use the pejorative term, McMansion, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what we did in this, in this experiment was that we, we, we were using virtual reality. Mm-hmm. And we designed um, a series of, of, well, a series of three residences. Um, one of them was a, um, just a, um, a, a typical kind of suburban home, not huge, um, but uh, we thought sort of average and, and scaled to be about the same size as our comparisons. The other two, one of them was a, um, was a Frank Lloyd White House. It was Roby House. Mm. And uh, the other one was uh, a design. We collaborated with uh, the architect Sarah Suzanka, mm-hmm. um, who, who wrote a, a phenomenally successful book called The Not-So-Big House some years ago. And it's become the not-so-big industry, I think, where the emphasis has been on not equating value with square footage and domestic design, mm-hmm. but thinking about mm-hmm. about how you actually design how you actually use your your home space, which turned out to have been the, the, the key to the whole thing. Um, yeah. And so we, we built these things in VR. We set up the experiment by um, recruiting people who were actively in uh, the home hunting market at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we set up, uh, we said, think of this as if you're coming to a, a real estate open house, come to this, we set it up in a gym, come to this gym. You can walk mm-hmm. through these VR houses um, and tell us what you think. So we, mm-hmm. we followed them around with carts full of electronics and measured their bodies and asked them questions. And uh, the uh, to, to make a long story short, the outcome of it was that um, the 
on most measures, the, the home that appeared to work best for most people in our study was the, uh, the Suzanka home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the home that seemed to, so um, kudos to her, uh, <laughs> the, home, the home that seemed to be least psychologically sustainable was the, uh, the average suburban tract house. But then the really interesting part for us was that when we asked people, you know, the the uh, the sixty four thousand dollar question, more than that <laughs> these days, which is, yeah. you know, if if uh, if you could buy any one of these three houses, which one would you buy? Um, mm-hmm. Most people picked the uh, the suburban tract house, um, mm-hmm. which you know, I, and again, I'm not a designer, but even to my eye, the the um, the, the design values in this home were, were just really mediocre. In fact, the, mm-hmm. we hired an architecture student to do the modeling and he was, he was just, you know, I was getting a constant stream of <laughs> invective from him over email, but he couldn't believe that somebody <laughs> would actually do these things. Um, and so, and so the, you know, the, the question is, is why I, I don't think that the answer is all that complicated. I think w- one of the most telling things was that we asked people in debriefing, you know, why, why mm-hmm. choose that house? And, and yeah. I think one of the most telling comments was that somebody said, because that's just like all the houses that all my friends own. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a big social comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, one of the other things that fascinated us was that you, you mentioned the formal living room. So, so mm-hmm. they, the conventional design of these homes, I think it's shifting a little bit now, um, but the conventional design of these homes, and I've lived in homes like this and, mm-hmm. and can attest to this, is, is that you have, you have what's called the family room, um, mm-hmm. and then you have the formal living room, mm-hmm. and where you never go. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you, <laughs> you do the mm-hmm. dusting and the vacuuming when you need to. <laughs> and and when when grandma comes over then that's where you sit and have tea but mm-hmm. otherwise it's just empty wasted wasted space mm-hmm. um and and in our vr models one of the things that we noticed was that we had a formal living room in in our um we we called it the mcmansion among ourselves although it wasn't huge but that was just the <laughs> what we called it um nobody ever set foot in that room. I mean, they could walk in. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. But they, they looked in, but never went in and everywhere else. Oh, wow. you know, they, they were all over the kitchen, all over the rest yeah. of the spaces, but not, not there. Um, so I thought it was, it was kind of cool that their behavior in a VR model reflected uh, their likely behavior if they actually owned this home. So, mm-hmm. so coming back full circle to the question you asked about what, what, what should people be thinking about? I think, I think the, um, the, the, the real key is, um, to, uh, be, be mindful of what your, what your current behavior is in the place that you Mm -hmm. live and, and don't expect, um, that moving into a, a, a home with, um, with a formal dining room is going to change your behavior. You're not, you know, you're not going to start dressing up in a suit and having formal dinners. <laughs> you're, you're going to be the same person. So understand, mm-hmm. understand who, who you are now with respect mm-hmm. to sociability and the family and everything else. I think, I think that, you know, um, I, su- I suppose as a psychologist, I'm supposed to think that people are more similar than they are different. But I think that mm. in this realm, 
the differences are important. We're, we all have different preferences, right? And I think mm-hmm. that um, those preferences also change. Um, this is sort of obvious, I think, but those preferences will change depending on on the uh, uh, on the the state of the family, the ages of the children, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. people people with with young children um, uh, like open plan designs because you know, they can, they can see what's going on all the time. Older people, Mm -hmm. um, people with older children can't stand open. I I can't stand (laughs) open plan, right? I've I've got teenagers and neither, neither can they. I mean, we, we, we get together, but we don't, we don't want to see each other all the time. We want to have our space, Uh our, our, our privacy. So it's, it's thinking about, um, I, I think, you know, maybe another lesson is, is to think about, um designs that uh that provide a variety of affordances and this this mm, cuts across not mm. just residential design but all kinds of designs so that so that when when you want communal time there's there's a space where you can do that and yes. and when when yes. you want privacy there's a space for that too and yes. again you know it, it's so complicated because because even as i'm saying that i'm thinking that's kind of a, a privileged viewpoint but you know there are lots of people who don't don't have all of those kinds of opportunities mm-hmm. to to make that. And then um, anyway, I'll stop. I'm, I could go on forever. Mm-hmm. So two two final questions. The first one we may have already addressed, but just in case, um, you know, I know that you're a professor on top of everything else that you're doing, which is amazing. Um, and I was wondering if there's any topics or avenues of inquiry that are keeping you interested today. Yeah, I think you know the uh, we we talked a bit about the the, the COVID related research that that we're doing and mm-hmm. how that actually uh, sprang from um, earlier interests that we had, for example, in in proxemics, I've had this kind of long-standing interest in in how the the, the geometry of space influences people's pers- um, or not sorry how how the um, the presence and arrangement and activity of people in a space influences people's understanding of the, the geometry, which we're we're kind of picking up on a little bit with our our social distancing research. Mm-hmm. Um, the and and we've all you know for we've been interested in green space forever because uh, how how can you do any kind of environmental psychology and not not be interested in, in those yeah. those kinds of questions and they they've now you know uh, sprung to to new life and urgency with what's what's going on now so we're so interested true. in all of that I think the the one thing that that prior to all of this that is kind of a new thing for me that I've become really interested in but haven't haven't really acted on very much yet it's still sort of in the planning stages but I'm I'm really interested in uh time and mm. I've spent so much of my my career uh focusing on explicit spatial variables in fact all of it from mm-hmm. the earliest days of of animal research and spatial cognition to to today and and one of the things that i think that i've neglected and as far as i can see almost everybody else has oh, too yeah. is the uh the unfolding of 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 experience in let's say in a built space so mm-hmm. um years ago i i i read this famous quote from uh the german poet goethe who said that 
um, architecture as frozen music. Oh, I and remember reading that quote I, for the first time. Did you? Okay. Yes. I mean, but it's, it's not. It's not frozen <laughs> because what animates it is yes. the fact that I just don't stand in the middle of it and stare. I'm moving through it. And so it's that. Oh, that's it. what really interests me is, is understanding yes. how those kinds of things dynamically unfold. So we're, we're slowly but surely gearing up to do some, some first studies and first for us studies in, in that realm using both uh, real spaces and, and VR, which these days, you know, there's all kinds of great things that you can do with wearables and, and uh, uh, GPS tracking and yeah. uh, goodness knows what. I mean, there, there is, there is some, uh, so, some nice work that's uh, that's already been done, but it's really sparse. Mm-hmm. And there's some 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 yeah. really interesting stuff that's been done. Not surprisingly, in in uh, Japanese gardens, mm-hmm. because designers mm-hmm. of Japanese gardens are very mindful of oh, yeah. every every beat of <laughs> movement as someone explores a space. Every mm-hmm. every plan every every view and how that view unfolds over time has been, mm-hmm. has been planned. So that's, that's uh, w- one of the things that, that would be exciting me much more if I didn't have to spend all of my time designing online courses. <laughs> God bless. Um, so I have to share on, on that note, you know, we did some research a, a little while back that um, we still have yet to publish, but you know how that goes, but, um, where it was sort of talked about healthcare experiences and what your sort of final experience was and how that shaped your perception. Like, you know, I think it was a two week after we would send them in the mail. Like, what was your experience? And we, we were asking them about their experience all throughout the journey. And their sort of last little experience seemed to be like the most highly correlated with their, um, with their final sort of memory of it. And I thought, wow, that wow. is right. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so yeah. Y- yeah. So l- let me know when that's showable. I would love to know more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to share it. And it's, um, you know, data, we, we did a few presentations. I was just going through them literally last week to share the findings with, um, a colleague, um, they were all about, uh, MRI, like the MRI experience. So, um, which can be really, which can be really stress inducing. Um, and so we were looking at the role of artwork and, um, all of this different stuff. So, um, yeah, I'd be more than happy to share. Cool. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Um, so, okay. So last but not least, um, I was just wondering, Based on all of this, your you know depth and breadth of knowledge, when you think of top three things that you wish were more common knowledge, like that way we could use those as um, ways to inform our design decisions or our life decisions. Uh, what comes to mind for you? It doesn't have to be three, but uh, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. You know what? I think I always find these kinds of questions the hardest ones to answer, and it's. <laughs> I find it really embarrassing <laughs> because it's like, this is the key, right? Like, you know, we'll boil down what you do to the most important things. And I think, oh my God. And I, I get this kind I of deer in headlights response, but, but I do have some thoughts. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think, I think that uh, 
whenever I think about what the most important takeaways are, the the uh, the the most important one, and again, this is not this is not anything that's particularly new, although we're continually thinking about it in new ways and learning more about it. And that is um, the the importance of of nature, which um, for uh, an environmental psychologist begins with those classic studies of now what 30, 30 years or more ago mm. showing that when people have views of nature it changes their physiology it changes their health it changes the mm-hmm. way that they pay attention uh and the way that they they feel um mm-hmm. and and carrying on you know one of the things that i find most remarkable about all of that is the stuff that we still don't know for example about uh mechanism mm-hmm. um and even more practical stuff about you know how much where when how often um, but I, I would say that if, if, uh, if I was giving sort of generic advice to, uh, for, for sound design, I would say to never forget um, the importance of nature in every guise, whether we're talking about views of nature mm-hmm. out of a window, mm-hmm. the use of natural materials, or even uh, natural patterns. There's this mm-hmm. kind of continual buzz about uh, fractal designs, um, mm. and and I think that there's something to the idea that uh, fractal properties in design are picking up on these these probably innate preferences that we have for particular kinds of, of views and settings, mm. and even geometry. So I think that's that's really important. I think sort of related to that is is you know it's still still nature, but you know we talked about this, but in in terms of the people's epiphanies about COVID mm-hmm. is that is to remember, and this sounds kind of trite when I put it this way, but to remember that we're natural too, but remember mm-hmm. that, you know, we're, we're biological, that we are, we are organic embodied beings. So I think that, you know, we're still, we're still not completely over, we're getting there, but we're not over the hangover um that was imposed on us by Rene Descartes and this whole idea of the the the, the separate rational thinking part of of mm. ourselves as opposed to the body and and feelings and and emotional state and and all of that stuff and we still all too often think that if we get the the so-called mind stuff you know the the the, the cognition stuff right if we design a setting that works for that part of ourselves, then, then it works. But, uh, so I would say, you know, remember that we, we are, we are animals. You know, we, we have, Mm -hmm. we have feelings that relate to basic animal impulses, territoriality, for example, um, territoriality is, is important. And it's, it's not all learned, even in, even in human beings, there are, Mm -hmm. there are places where we feel, more or or less comfortable and sometimes at particular times and sometimes related to who else is there and it has to do with territoriality mm-hmm. so it's about again it's about the body um mm-hmm. the uh got a couple can of i others. just say like yeah. like i understand that that's you know you said like oh it almost sounds trite it's not i mean i think it's anything but i think that so often we just think oh, well I just need to think through this problem and, and I can then solve it. And it's like, well, maybe you just need to go for a walk and then it'll, you know, you'll realize that it's not that important yeah. or, you know, like, 
get move back into our bodies yeah um which is how we were meant to be absolutely and yeah i just oh i love that yeah i think it, it also relates to you know we were talking earlier about about virtual meetings and screen meetings mm. and people being taken by surprise by how hard that is again because mm-hmm. we we figured okay my 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 face is there my my voice is there what else you know that should be fine but that mm-hmm. the absence of body is is really uh me- messing messing with us so thank you i guess it wasn't so try yeah, that no. um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not um i think that you know another thing that i would say is that that um uh and again i just had a conversation with somebody about this the other day is that the difficulty one of the difficulties that i hear designers talk about is is uh again related to the fact that we're we're all different um mm-hmm. and that uh far too often it seems one has to to design for the middle mm-hmm. and so i you know my advice would be to think really hard about that and whether whether you actually do have to design for the middle or whether you it's possible to design in such a way that uh people have the the, the free people are empowered basically to be able to select their own settings yeah. whether that's an office environment or a home or or some other kind of setting uh that yes. that works for them or, or healthcare settings too i think it's that's really important as well yes um yeah. so can i say like yeah, related sure. to that do you know much about sort of like scientific drug discovery so i just okay so i always see these parallels because people i i don't know if you've heard this argument but i i hear this all the time which is like well, you know, that research, it's not a double blind randomized controlled trial. And I always say, yes. And a lot of those for, you know, even the mouse models, they would only choose male mice oh my because God. they didn't want the, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, because they didn't yeah. want the very, okay, right? Because yeah. they didn't want the variability of a female that, you know, changes each month. Um, exactly. Yeah. And, and like, and that, that, um, exactly how you were just describing it like that design for the medium well it has a lot of um, negative side effects for a lot of populations um and it has you know it has the unintended consequences of taking something that works exceptionally well for a small portion of the population and then discarding it um and i i think like as we're like technology is changing and our abilities are changing. Like, can't we take this idea that we've thought of as like, just, you know, given for so long and start to really question it. So again, I'm like, oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. It's so, it's so charged because even, even buried in that idea of, of designing for the, for the middle, you know, it's, it's, it's who's middle, you know, <laughs> Good God, <laughs> and the, yes. you know, don't get me started about drugs. I mean, I, I as I, as I told you, my, my, my early days were spent doing, uh, doing animal research. And I remember mm-hmm. exactly what you said. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't testing drugs at all, but I remember mm-hmm. my very first mentor when I was an undergraduate student in psychology and I was doing some animal research. Um, he, he said exactly what you just described. He, <laughs> he, he said, uh, well, we just use males in this lab. And I said, and I said, well, why? And he said, and exactly what you said. He said, well, because fe- female rats have a have a, a four day estrus cycle, 
Mm-hmm. And so we would, we would have to test to make sure we got them all in the same part of the cycle. Um, yeah, it's, oh, it's a, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the, the gender part is. <laughs> right. Cause you're like, oh male rats and female rats are not the same. And if like all of our studies for so long were based off of that science. Yeah. I mean, not only to mention like so much of our research, again, a tangent a little bit, but like so much of our research is on like, um, white educated males, because that's, you know, we use the people that are in our colleges to have to, you know, be in our psychological studies. Yeah. And, the, yeah. You're right. You're right. The so-called weird samples, right? White educated yeah. and industrial rich democratic. Oh my God. I've never heard that. Haven't you heard that? Oh. I don't know how I haven't, but yeah, no, I have there, there are papers on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Weird samples. Uh, right. Yeah, it dri- drives me crazy, and uh, yeah. yeah, and and uh, yeah, all of this is is so important, and it's it's just a complete cop out to um, to say that it's intractable and that we have no choice but to design for the average user because they're you know they're the average user is a fiction, and those those differences are really important. And I I think you're right. I mean, I'm not a designer, so I don't know how to do this, but but I'm I'm pretty sure that. Even with my state of ignorance, it's it, it's not intractable <laughs> to design spaces and buildings and and rooms that that work for a variety of different stakeholders. Um, I'm just over here like nodding furiously, like <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I totally agree. Okay, good, good. Um, totally agree. So good. I'm super mindful of the time. Um, yeah. So I just want to ask, is there anything else that I didn't ask um, that you feel like I should have? No, I think, uh, well, there was, I did have one, one more thing on my list, yeah. I, you know, um, of, of takeaways that I think is, is worth a mention. Um, and that is the importance of testing. You know, I think, I think we're doing better at this now, but I think that um, it will be great to continue to, uh, to advance towards a culture and design where um, post, uh, I mean, there's there's what we call post-occupancy assessment, mm-hmm. um, which often is, I think, uh, seriously token. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think that mm-hmm. um, if that were to become a more integral part of the design process, where it would be understood mm-hmm. that you you put something together um you build it and even after you build it when uh it's finished your job isn't done then the last mm-hmm. part of the job is to assess you know what works what doesn't work to yeah. uh to learn and, and build from that and i think that we're 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 entering times where where the the availability of tools for doing that are so much more sophisticated than they have ever been and i mm-hmm. think the interest is is to my eye, I'm a little bit biased because of the world that I live in, but the interest also seems to be to be higher than than ever. Um, mm-hmm. More and more uh, major uh, architecture firms, um, in, including yours, um, mm-hmm. are hiring more and more people with expertise in in behavioral sciences because I think there's increasing recognition that this is important, and I would love to see that that accelerate. That's a good one. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and for such an engaging and enjoyable conversation. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all the work that you put out into this world. So thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. You're, you're welcome. I, re- I really enjoyed our conversation too. It was uh, really, 
really fun. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Shared Space. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to subscribe wherever you're listening and head on over to Apple to give us a review. It really helps to spread the word and we really appreciate it. I hope that your day is filled with honest emotion, kindness, and connection. Thanks so much and take care.